You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. Moving into my message here, um, you know, over the past couple of weeks, if you've been following the news at all, you've probably heard about all the the goings-on in Afghanistan with the Taliban taking over and, and you know, everything that, that that means with the danger to, to women and children especially and, and to Christians. Um, also, you've probably heard about the earthquake in Haiti and all the damage that's been going on there and, and um, uh, just our world's full of sadness and, and chaos, right? And, and I heard from Dr. J in India a couple weeks ago that um, there's a lot of persecution against uh, other religions, especially Christianity. Uh, the church that's like next door to their facility was burned down. Um, so there's a, there's a lot going on in the world, and I was, I've been pondering and praying about that the last couple of weeks. And I, and I just think, as we think about all this, all the, the broken and, and desperate people in this world, and, and especially as we witness the, the evil and destruction that humankind can be capable of sometimes, uh, I think this should remind us as Christians more than ever how much we need the love of Jesus and how important and urgent it is that we, as born-again followers of him, are spreading that love throughout the world. Amen? Um, But in the same vein, the only way that we can successfully and truly bring God's love into the world is if we're first set apart from the ways of the world ourselves so that we can be in it but not of it. And as we continue our sermon series, No Greater Love, this morning, I want to spend a, a short amount of time emphasizing the good news that everyone who truly loves Jesus by faith because he first loved them has now overcome the world and therefore will now be marked by a life of faithful and fruit-bearing obedience. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning, and I'm going to be preaching hopefully a shorter sermon this morning, as we've been doing uh, through this whole series this summer, Uh, but especially so this morning because uh, we're going to get into a few other exciting things following the message, including welcoming and installing Pastor Brad into his new full-time position here, so we're really excited about that. But uh, uh, first of all, if you want to turn with me to 1 John 5, 1 to 5, we're going to be reading through that. 1 John 5, 1-5, which says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. And by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? That's the word of the Lord. So last week, if you were following with us last week here or online, um, Pastor Brad was speaking, and he told the story of the, that greedy little tax collector named Zacchaeus. Remember that? Uh, 
right? This is the guy whom Jesus chose to dine with despite the fact that this man was hated and and despised by most of society for his evil and greedy actions. Um, Of course, Jesus dining with him, showing his love to him, is a great example of the way he also loved us and, and came to us with his love as well, even while we were sinners. Uh, and as Pastor Brad taught us last week, it's, it's a great example of how we're to love those who are different than us. Definitely a great word last week, Brad. I don't even know where you're sitting right now. Oh, there you are. <laughs> so thank you for that word. Um, yeah, it was awesome. But, you know, as he was teaching it, as I was taking it all in, as he was teaching it, one of the things that, that stood out to me in this story was how drastically Zacchaeus was changed by Jesus' love. Like before dinner and after dinner. He's like a completely different person. Right before he meets Jesus, he's this, again, greedy man. He's, he's in love with the things of the world. He's abusing his authority to not only collect taxes for Rome, but, but, but to take more than he should in order to you know, fill his own pockets and whatever he's, he's using that for to pay for his selfish desires and to buy possessions or whatever. But after he meets Jesus, after he encounters this amazing grace and saving love, he immediately declares publicly, from Luke 19.9, he says, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. So, so basically, he's, he's demonstrating there, through word and deed, that he's no longer a lover of the world, but a lover of Christ, who, upon seeing him do this, Jesus then confirms his salvation to him. So Zacchaeus' actions in that moment were proof that his heart had truly been changed and renewed, that his love for Jesus wasn't just lip service or shallow soil, but authentic. And so we can see clearly in his story and and, and really in any other person who, who encounters the saving grace of Jesus that a heart which has been inwardly changed and made new by the love of Christ will manifest itself into a tangible and outward display of living for and in accordance with the one who's changed us. And it doesn't happen immediately for all of us like it did for Zacchaeus. For a lot of us, it's a a journey of growth. For most of us, it's a journey of growth and sanctification and, and laying down things at the cross and replacing that with his grace and love, right? But we will change. If we're changed inwardly, we will display that outwardly, which is what Jesus told his disciples. He said, he said in John 14, 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. So whoever has my commandments and keeps them, Jesus says, is the one who loves me. That's how you know. And, and make no mistake, he's not manipulating or, or forcing his disciples to obey him. He's not implying that in order to earn his love, we need to, to first be perfectly obedient in following his commands because that's impossible. That's what the Pharisees try to do. No, what Jesus is telling them is that obedience to his teaching will naturally and consequently flow from his love for us and love for him. So those who are born again in Christ will resultantly seek to live for the Father as disciples of Jesus. They'll seek to see his will be done, 
over and above their own, and they'll desire what he desires. Of course, that doesn't, again, that doesn't mean we become instantly perfect in obedience, but above all, we'll joyfully recognize, once we've been saved, that our life is no longer our own, and that the life we now live, we now live in Christ who saved us and rescued us from our sin into everlasting life. So again, what this means is that a genuine love for Jesus and for others will be marked and made evident by a faith-filled life of fruitful obedience to his commandments and to his word. Or to put it another way, our faith will be made evident by our works, as the Apostle James puts it. Uh, Theologian John Stott on, on this subject writes, It is as impossible to love the children of God as such without loving God as it is to love God without loving his children. Right, we've been learning that, right? And then he, said, he says, a family relationship unites the two loves. Love for God has a second inescapable consequence, namely obedience. If we truly love God, we not only love his children, but we also find ourselves carrying out his commands. So inexorable is the connection between the two that love for God, which in one sense issues in obedience, in another sense may be identified with it. So, if we've been transformed by the love of God through Jesus, we will begin to love him with our full heart, soul, mind, and strength. We will begin to love our neighbors as ourselves, even our enemies, even those who are different than us. Right? And, and these are the two greatest commandments, as Jesus tells us, which all the law and the prophets hang. And we've, again, we've been learning about that over the last three weeks. But in the same vein, we'll actually demonstrate and prove that love by the way we follow after Christ's teaching and his leading in our daily lives. I believe it was A.W. Tozer who said something like, if we're not worshiping the Lord from Monday to Saturday with our lives, then we're not worshiping him on Sunday during praise and worship. Those are pretty... pretty uh, Harsh words, right? But, but the point is that we, we can't simply say that we love God on Sunday and, and sing about loving God and then continue to live as if we love the world for the rest of the week. Friendship with the world is enmity with God, right? If we're doing that, in that case, the evidence will prove otherwise that we love the world. The point being is that love is not simply lip service, Jesus says in John 14, 15, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. If our love is genuine, it'll be, it'll be consistently on display for the world to see. It'll be evident in the way we live our lives moment by moment. And of course, it'll also be evident in the way we desire to repent whenever we miss the mark. But if it's not evident, will the world even believe us when we tell them about it? It needs to be evident. A life of love for Christ is a life of obedience to Christ. And, and John even writes, what we read in the passage earlier, John even writes that this obedience to him won't even be a burden. It won't, be a, it won't even be a burden. And generally, this isn't the case, is it? Keeping rules and laws and, and commands are, are more often than not annoying or tiresome 
right? They get in the way, especially to those like, uh, you know, Pharisees or people in any other religion who feel they have to keep them in order to, to earn their God's love or favor or salvation. It's especially burdensome, I think, to those who love the world and, and feel like commandments and laws are ruining or restricting their, their quote-unquote fun. And so they just keep them so they don't get in trouble. That's, that, that just gets overwhelming. But for us as believers, right, in Christ, we, we've already been saved by grace through the cross. And we've already overcome the world by faith, which means we don't have to do good works to earn God's love because Jesus did them for us. And neither does the world still tempt us or draw our affections like it used to when we were still wandering in the darkness, still under the power of sin and compelled by the desires of our flesh. Instead, it's Jesus' love and saving grace which draws our affections. And this is now what compels us to gladly obey and joyfully follow him. Those who love Jesus want to obey him. That is the point. And as they do, they find that the burden of following him is easy and light. Right? His yoke is easy and light. And even more than that, the, the indwelling Holy Spirit also enables us and leads us and empowers us to do it and to persevere in it. In fact, pretty much any time Jesus tells his disciples that their love will be evident by their obedience, or any time he, he commands them to, to go and, and, and spread his kingdom or his gospel, anytime he does that, he also, pretty much any time, he also promises them the Holy Spirit to help them. Here's one of many examples. John 14, 15 to 17 says, says, If you love me, you will keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor or helper to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. So next week, we're going to be learning all in, in more detail the specific attributes of love, which we're called to exemplify and obey as Christians. But before we do that, today, we need to remember that, we need to be reminded that we can't and we're never meant to do them on our own, in our own strength. As, as Paul Tripp even writes, your hope is not in your ability to keep God's commands, but rather in the grace of the one who gave those commands. We need his grace to live according to the calling we've been given. We need him working his will in us, right? This is why Jesus told his disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon them before they started to spread his gospel and make disciples. Because again, on our own, obedience to his commandments and living out our calling is impossible. It's too burdensome. But by his strength, by his victory over sin and death, in the power of the Holy Spirit, whom he has graciously sent us as our helper, we not only can live in obedience to his commandments, but we will. And we will more and more as we grow in Christ and in the knowledge of his word. So again, our, our, our obedience to Christ is the evidence, the outworking, and the expression 
of our faith and love for him and his love already at work in us. In fact, it's this tangible, fruit-bearing demonstration of love through obedience which gave the Apostle Paul such confidence that those uh, within the church in Colossae were truly saved in Christ. And this caused him to pray over them with thanksgiving. Uh, and I want to read that right now. He writes to them in, in uh, Colossians 1, 3-8. He says to them, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you. As indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epiphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, in the same way that the Apostle Paul speaks to the church in Colossae here, I also thank God for this church body, especially as I see so many of you growing in Christ and serving one another in obedience to Him, also bearing the fruit of obedience in your lives, in your households, in your relationships, in, in your communities, in your marriages, and, and in your places of work. It's, it's exciting to see how God is working in and through so many of you. And so I can say with confidence that, that you have heard and received the gospel of truth and that your love in the Spirit is genuinely at work. I pray that we can continue to grow in it and that God will continue to do His good work in us, especially as we as a church move into a new and exciting season. 